freaking seats in the theater taken up by his freaking toys. Now, nobody has complained. It just, it just that, that irritated the hell out of me, Scott. I know it shouldn't have, but I was just sitting there thinking, oh, you arrogant little motherfucker. <laughs> and then, and then, and then we saw the movie. Short version, if this was Andy's favorite movie in 1995, I... <laughs> oh my god, I feel so sorry for that boy. Slum, slum, slum. Slumgullion, we've got season two of the Slumgullion, Jeff and Scott still host the Slumgullion, I still don't know what that word means. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another special edition of the Slumgullion. I am Scott, I am Scott, I am Jeff, me is Jeff, I'm sorry, it's Scott. I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out. I'm just going to warn you. I don't think you should. That was just, oh my God, that was priceless. So yeah, oh, we're back. Mm. This is not the 100th special edition. No, we're, we, we've got some things that we're trying to get going for that, but this is not it. Uh, truth is, with my life being, well, my life at the moment, I haven't had access to... Uh, certain things like a place for a bit and i'm not sure how the uh, internet is going to react so this is a test thing it's not going to be long it's a slummy yes right we're bringing back the slummies a little bit but we had a couple of things that uh we uh wanted to talk about we just wanted to see if this pseudo recording thing is going to work how are you scott i'm fine i'm on the edge of my seat though about all the manifold technical challenges we're facing <laughs> So even if nobody else is experiencing the suspense and the sense of high adventure I am, somebody's getting something out of it. Now, to be perfectly honest, that's just hyperbole for my life at the moment. Yeah, that's true. You, you're, I just picture your life is constantly like the poster for Where Eagles Dare. You know, where there's like two cable cars between a mountain and a village, and one of them is blowing up and falling off, and there's two guys fighting on top of the other one, and there's Nazis, and there's a helicopter, and there's a mosquito bomber, and it's just like, okay, that's a very busy, I would even say overscheduled day. <laughs> Your life is a constant series of just clinging onto an icy, exploding cable car. You, my friend, are the definition of high adventure. At least for the last three years. Yeah. You were kind of boring before then, but boy, are you making up for it now. There you go. But that is not the point, dear friends. No, we have pop culture to talk about. We do. And first off, okay, here's the long version for, for Lightyear. Mm -hmm. It is a perfectly serviceable science fiction film. Oh, okay. I was not expecting you to say that. And that is its biggest problem. Oh, I was not expecting you to say that either. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. There are people that I know who already liked it, and I am sure will like it. I can see why. It is perfectly serviceable. Okay? Mm -hmm. It actually makes a couple of interesting choices storytelling-wise. But the problem is, and it was a big problem for me... I do not believe that this was Andy's favorite film in 1995 to be obsessed as he was. It seems like they just forgot about that, that they just, well, Andy's not going to be buying a ticket 
we've got to make it appealing to kids who've gorged on the science fiction and CGI and animation epics of the past 25, 30 years. So I can't believe I'm saying this for a Pixar film. There was no sense of wonder. Oh, that's it. That's what caught me. I, the, the whole film, I was sitting there going, I should like this. This is perfectly fine. Why am I not liking this? And then I was like, because this is not, I, I cannot believe that this would hit a kid that strong. Mm. I applauded the concept when I first heard it, but they didn't nail the landing for the concept. Concepts are great, but I, I have heard and read enough high concept pitches to know that that's great. That'll get you in a room, but it, it's, if the execution does not follow, it's going to be an expensive and embarrassing flop, so, which this probably won't be. Uh, if nothing else, uh, Disney Plus is a constantly insatiable maw that must be fed. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be on there before the end of the year. OK, well, I can wait. That's the thing that saddened me was that it, it's perfectly OK. And that's all it is. It's OK. Well, if you have Pixar's reputation, come up with something that's just okay. Is is actually worse than a flop. Just proves you have feet of clay, and, and a franchise called Planes. Oh, 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 oh! Perfect segue. We've talked about some bad things. Now we want to talk about a good thing. Now we want to talk about a very good thing, and a very good thing that I genuinely cannot believe is a very good thing. And that is the newest Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds. Oh, my God. I officially love this fucking show, Scott. I know. It's, hearing you talk about it, you kind of sound, now as an adult, the way I felt as a kid when I started getting into the original series on afternoon reruns. And this this show has given me that feeling in a way that TNG, which I eventually came around to liking, Never has. And Picard, as much as I liked the first season of that, I did I wasn't enraptured by it. It was it was more like you owe me, Picard. And over the course of the season, by getting humiliated and beat up enough, I felt like I came to peace. I came to terms. <laughs> I go, Okay, we're fine. We're you even. Don't watch season two because season one was your catharsis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean how much more beat up can he be? I'm it, after a certain point, it just becomes elder abuse. It's no longer justice. But this is not about him. This is about someone with much nicer hair. Much nicer. Oh, wow. The hair, the quality of the hair on this show, starting from the captain on down, is pretty damn impressive. I mean, it's the fact that he gets his hair to stand up like that and not just in, in zero gravity. There's some amazing I product in the future. I had absolutely no interest in watching this show. I mean, if I caught it, I would, but I just, I didn't care. I know. I, I, I truly didn't care. And then I'm going to give the guy a shout out. Sean Farrick over at Trek Culture has this thing called Ups and Downs. It's his way of reviewing the show. Guy knows his Trek, and I watched his Ups and Downs on the pilot, and hearing him talk about the show was maybe want to check it out. And so thank you, Sean. <laughs> Yes, thank you, Sean, because now we have something to talk about. It's not just me going, no, no, it's good. And you're going, nah, I don't care. <laughs> I like, especially the last couple of episodes, I am just genuinely shocked at how good they've been. I mean, I want to get to specifics in a minute, but I've got to give a major shout to what's really blowing me away with this is the cast. Oh, my God, I have not seen a cast gel this quickly, this fast in a long time. 
Yeah. I mean, again, let's look at the example of, say, the next generation. Dear God, but I loathe those losers. They were just a bunch of creeps bouncing off each other in, in that weird low-pile carpeted spaceship that they had. And it just, I thought, well, I hate all of you, but I'll keep watching because it's the 80s and it's not like I have 57 channels. I had four that I got on my rabbit ear little TV when I was living in New York. So I, I stuck with it long enough to either get used to it or for them to gel. But this, right off the bat, I I don't have a complaint about anybody. It's, which is amazing because you know me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, there aren't any kids, at least so far. So there's, okay, there is a kid. There was a kid who came to an end, which I think you knowing me know how satisfying I found that. Now, now did you see that coming? I kind of did. I kind of did because oh, yeah. they were okay. They, okay. they were being secretive, and whenever anyone's secretive about their certain cultural matters on Star Trek, it's either Vulcans fucking, or it's something stupid like you know we let a computer run our wars, but our computer runs on Windows ME, so that's a problem. <laughs> oh, speaking speaking of uh, Vulcans fucking, my own little other. Oh, I'll, I'll steal it for this for this thing. Spock and Tapring. Mm. Holy God, have they made Tapring an interesting character? I mean, since their relationship canonically is doomed, I go, well, I'm not going to invest in this, but she's forcing me to through the power <laughs> of her acting. And and it truly started for me in it is it has become one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Period. Spockamuck. Spockamuck. I mean, I, I, I loved it just for the title. And the really interesting thing about this episode was it's not the first body swap show they've had. It, it occurred in the original series when Kirk's body was swiped by, I think, I think the woman's name was Janet Lester, who was a mere female thirsting for power above her distaff station. And the whole thing was veritably a Greek tragedy. And this time they do it again. And it's played for laughs. So kudos on growing up a little bit, Star Trek. Yay. In the dream sequence, when he starts to fight himself and the old school music plays. That was such a delight. I mean, I I thought if they didn't do it, I was going to be pissed. But then they did do it. I was so charmed, even though, you know, it was basically a terrorist demand on my part. But they did it, and I loved it. And the thing I found impressive about the actress that they have playing to Pring, whose name is Gia Sandhu, Sandhu, something like that. She's not a lifelong trekker. She did not come to the franchise steeped in 50 years of lore the way, say, Iman Vellani did with Ms. Marvel. But she watched the original Amok Time episode and she drew everything of value, I think, out of Arlie Martell's performance. She got the the regal reserve. She got the the unflinching dignity. She got the watchful intelligence. But she's added to that. She's adding notes of humor, other elements that when you don't see them, they tend to make Vulcans kind of one note, boring joke characters. But she is not. She's got all sorts of dimensions and nuances. And uh, granted, some of that is in the writing, but it, it, it's it's intimidating to take a character that has this much history and that even though it only appeared once kind of cast 
a shadow over the better known character Spock. The fact that she's she's sort of building it up anew and adding all these unforeseen and unexpected colors. It's a well-written show, well-directed show. But as you say, cast brilliantly. I don't know who cast this thing, but they're a genius. Another, uh, character that I think is doing the exact same thing, and I can't think of her name. Forgive me, so I'll just say the character. Um, I fucking love Christine Chapel. Oh, uh, Jess Bush. Yes, she's an Australian actress. Thank you. Yes. I saw her interview on the, the Ready Room thing. No, I absolutely love what they're doing with Christine Chapel, And it's the same thing. I mean, this is, again, no complaint. This is nothing against Major Barry Roddenberry at all. No. But they never really did anything with Christine as a character. She had a thing for Spock. I mean, the fact that they gave her that, as retrograde as it, as it looks now, from you know, a 50-year perspective, well, she would have been just there to hand McCoy stuff that doesn't work like yes here's the toilet paper roll pretend it's a scanner and that would have been it so the fact that they gave her the unrequited love for spock at least gave her character some much needed dimension um, and i think that's part of the reason people like her so much they, they like her because she she was funny as troy's mother right i enjoyed that performance a lot but otherwise chapel handed stuff and, and worked worked you know freelance as the computer's voice that's that's it. But I, but because she had this this longing for Spock, this completely hopeless love, which considering Spock was a huge sex symbol, the the more I read about reactions of fans in the 60s, he had a lot of female admirers. And I think Chapel spoke for a lot of them about this doomed hopeless love. And I think that's part of the reason she became so iconic, but they're definitely going at it in a completely different perspective. Just for shits and giggles and just to tease you more, again, without spoiling anything, all I want to say about the newest episode is it contains one of my favorite performances in the series so far. Oh, okay. And I genuinely cannot wait to hear your reaction to the ending. Hmm. All right. It's a one-two punch, actually. There's mm. Happen in the ending. One th- there's the very ending, and um, there's and there's something like right before it that just made me very happy. And you'll know it the minute you see it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go watch it. Then I don't know why I haven't seen it since. <laughs> no, you, I, I, I'm gonna be interested in your thoughts. I think you're gonna like it, but I can see where you may have some issues with it, knowing you. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the past, the the previous episode set the bar really high. You know, <laughs> taking child endangerment to its logical extreme. <laughs> this, uh, this takes it to. This is a slightly different show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we're gonna continue on with joy. Excellent. Wow, this is this is such yeah, a weird I know, show. I know, that's Keep why we're on. keeping it short. Um, we have more joy to talk about, <laughs> and that is Miss Marvel. Speaking of speaking of brilliant casting, good God, where are they finding these kids? I, 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 I fucking love this show. <laughs> it's, got a, it's got an Into the Spider-Verse kind of vibe that immediately appealed to me. And while it's not as heavy in the second episode, they're still stepping outside and and using these graphical techniques to tell their story and and to underscore that you know she's she's a a, a very online nerd but i, th- I think so. for me and 
I think I'm pretty sure you'll understand why. For me, while I was disappointed that there wasn't more of the graphical stuff, they made up for it with Be My Baby. (laughs) (laughs) That was just that made me very happy. So how long do you how long do you think it'll be until uh, Marvel gets Paul Rudd to start doing Paul Lang's actual podcast? I mean, if they're not doing it now, they are missing a huge bet, and it's rare for them to miss bets. I, I don't know. It's it's. I I think it's something that Paul Rudd might do once because it was funny, and then never do again. But they got to do one episode. No, no. Actually, I don't want an episode because then I would be. It would be too sad that there wouldn't be a continuing series. What I want is to hear a clip of it on the show. I want to hear him doing it. What I really want is an episode where they're listening to the podcast because they desperately need answers or insight or wisdom or advice, whatever. Every time they tune in, it's just nothing but commercials for Squarespace or some artisanal coffee from the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Uh, Now, you've seen the second episode, yes? Yes, Okay. And again, we're still doing the spoiler thing. Um, Holy shit, that ending. I have no idea... um, What's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know the comics at all. I know who the character is. I've seen a, a, a lot of the animated stuff that she's in, but uh-huh. that's it. I really don't know the character well. So um, I am completely on board for it. Yeah, I don't know the character that well either. I, I've always been more of a squirrel girl oh, kind of guy. <laughs> but um, I, I do like the way they're telling the story. I like the, the element of mystery that they're building into it. It's so funny, though, when you see how tropes age. For instance, she has this boyfriend, clearly not a boyfriend, well and truly and perhaps eternally in the friend zone, this guy. And they are united by their love of all things nerdy, which is fantastic and exactly reflective of, I'm sure, a lot of the lives of the audience. Certainly I can relate to some of this. But Rather than having thick glasses taped together with a Band-Aid and a retainer that he keeps losing, he's this kind of good-looking, not jock-acting, but jock-looking sort of blondish kid, which is which is a nice contrast to her dark coloring. But he's the kid who, in, in a show in the 80s, would have been the one who's swept the nerd girl off her feet and left the nerd boy feeling bereft because he's suddenly coming to terms with his feelings for her. But now they're casting the good-looking jockey types as the bereft and left-behind nerds, which I don't know if that's progress. I mean, it, it, it basically says being a nerd is not the province of kids who have an involuntary mohawk because they just got a swirly in the boys' toilets. They're saying nerds could be anyone. They could even be these suspiciously good-looking guys who have absolutely no uh, romantic chemistry with their best girlfriend for some reason. <laughs> so tropes age, tropes evolve, life finds a way. And on a on a one last minor tangent, because yes, I'm going to be the return of time dick, bum bum bum, I want to give a shout out to the boys. Oh my god, the boys. Oh, the boys. You're watching the boys too, aren't you, Scott? I'm not. I watched the first season, that's and that's right, then that's right. we... And I haven't caught up, but I keep hearing... Dear Gods and What the Fucks, issuing from the mouths of people who are watching this season. Apparently this season is particularly What the Fuck, although they killed an, a guy with bulletproof skin in the in the first couple of episodes of season one by shoving a bomb oh, up his no, ass. They, no, they, so, they outdo I mean, that. 
So you keep telling me. I've got to catch up on this thing that. because I, I try to imagine. Do that in the pre-credit sequence of the season premiere. Oh, now that is a ballsy no, power move. It's, it is. It, uh, that is the moment that I tweeted out as like one of the greatest things I have ever seen on television. Okay. And then, and then, in the newest episode, oh, God, you will immediately understand, we've got a dance number. Oh, well, I know how you love a those. A full-blown Fred Astaire-style dance number. Oh, well, I, I, I love those. It's, hmm, it was, okay. it's absolutely adorable. It, it fit in context of the show. There was, mm-hmm. a, there was a perfectly good reason as to why it was there, and it was just completely random, and it made me so, so, so very happy. That's twice now this season that the boys have made me so, so, so very happy for two completely different reasons. <laughs> um, but I'm just, it's, there's a lot of damn good television out right now. It's way too much. I do not, how much time do you think I have, TV? I cannot sit there all day long. I mean, I guess I could. And sometimes I do, but I probably shouldn't. And you're you're a bad influence, TV. My mother was right. <laughs> you're a bad influence. bad TV. No cookie for you. Exactly, because it's just I I've fallen behind even on the stuff. I, and it used to be a struggle. I'd look at the TiVo and just be very very disappointed in it, and it would be very very disappointed in me because of the quality of the things I was recording. So it was it was a toxic relationship. I'm glad I'm out of it, but. Now I have exactly the opposite. It, this is literally an embarrassment of riches, and and it's it's embarrassing only that we have a podcast about pop culture, and I'm not keeping up with pop, <laughs> pop culture. So I need to do a better job. I need to take a personal inventory. And see, we were on the track of joy, and I had to take a sharp detour into self-loathing. I'm gonna try and pull a U-turn back on the road to joy, and try to finish on a high note. But it's hard for me to go almost thirty minutes. And not go dark. So, but then again, I was already I was already cheering child endangerment earlier. So maybe I'm really not as clear on what I'm doing as I think I am. That, that moment of self realization and discovery. We'll see you later. <laughs> you want to end on that, huh? Okay, you got it. <laughs> hey, folks. We ain't done yet. Now that the thing is over, if you want to turn off now, you can. But uh, if you don't, here's a big light year spoiler. Enter at your own risk. Oh, seriously, dude. I was so disappointed by Lightyear. I, I really did want to see it. But then I read that Sam Lasky thing and it, it hit me that, oh, yeah, I was very excited by what looked like a space adventure. I mean, it does say to infinity and beyond. And then it says, yeah. Well, we started for infinity, but then we made an immediate you mm-hmm. know, uh, U-turn, and now we're back on this planet for the rest of the thing. It's like, uh, no, that's not, no, no, that's, you promised cosmic exploration. Why would any kid be, uh, you what? care about spoilers? No. Okay, no, no. okay. I got to tell you what they do with Zerg. Oh, because okay. when Zerg shows up in Act 3, that's when this kind of goes off the rails. <laughs> Oh, really? Um, yeah, Zerg's not a robot. Uh, Zerg, you know how the movies involves time travel? Uh, so, well, sort of. I mean, he, it's it's time dilation, right? He, he goes this, beyond the speed of light or something and comes back and in time. And like, time passes. Yeah, that's that right. Well, um, Zerg is actually a Buzz Lightyear from the future. Ah, okay. They, pu- they, they pull the ending of Lost in Space. 
Wait, what was the ending of Lost in Space? Was was Will, Will was from the Adult future? Will was a bad guy, yeah. Oh, Adult Will was a bad guy. Well, that's I'm glad I didn't finish it because that sounds really yeah. Really stupid. Uh, Bill, they, they asked Bill Mummy to do it, and he was like, "No." <laughs> yeah. I said no. No, this said, no, I'm not doing this. No, but, and, and, and and like he's come back because he's I he's it's this weird thing where he's like tr- they're trying to make him not be a bad guy. They're they're trying to do the yeah he's a mm. bad guy but he's got a good reason for it kind of shit. Which again mm. you wouldn't see in a film like this in the nineties. No, no, you most certainly would not. Bad guys have bad reasons and they they must be defeated. <laughs> Toy Story two was funny. I actually I think I liked it a little bit better than the first one because there's a little touch of horror in it. But I mean, when when Buzz and Zerg are like playing yeah. catch at the end, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. I mean, that was that was the Darth Vader redemption yes. arc, but with the the game of catch from Field of Dreams, it was it was a mess. Okay, well, it sounds like they ran out of ideas and just decided to go with it anyway. I, it's, that happened. I, I I can't lie. At least I, that reveal came out. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm interested now, kind of. And not even because mm-hmm. it drew me to the story. I'm like, wow, they just did something. Wow. <laughs> they they just did some shit. That's kind of cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but overall, because I walked out of it and I was just like, this should have been. I, there was no, I could not believe, like I said, there was no wonder in a Pixar film. That is hurtful. Seriously. Seriously. It's like, a, it's like a Steven Spielberg movie where nobody stares off camera for 10 seconds while John Williams swells in the background. I don't mean him personally. That's that's gross, but I mean the music. I, I was with I, I was with a few people and um, opinions were varied all over the place. So, mm. you take that for okay. what it is. But yeah, I was like me personally, I was like like I said, it's perfectly serviceable. You could actually like it, but you're not going to love it. 